Hello, this is Audrey Mack. The Word of God says in 3 John 2, I wish above all things that you may prosper, be in good health, just as your soul prospers. So I pray that this message be a blessing to you. Go deep into your heart to work divine transformation, both in you and through you. So get ready, open your heart, and be blessed. Paul is saying the kingdom of God, the rule of God, the dominion of God that we want to see in the earth, it has to start in you, in your own heart, in your own life. But what is the kingdom of God? How is God going to have the last say so in your life? Paul is telling us, and it's so powerful, in Romans 14, 17, he said the kingdom of God, or between parentheses, his reign and his rule, amen, hallelujah, is not meat or drink, in another word, it's not what you do on the exterior that manifests and shows the rule of God, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let me paraphrase it in a very simple way. God is going to have the kingdom of God who is in us, the rule of God that starts on the inside of us. That's why we call Jesus our Lord. The lordship of Jesus in our life is the kingdom of God in us. It's silent in this church this afternoon. That's why we call Jesus our Lord. It means that our life is no longer ours. It's his because we've been bought with a price. And so now Jesus Christ in us is our Lord. And the kingdom of God, the rule of God will be in us. And it is through his lordship in us, in our heart, that the kingdom of God will be manifested on the outside. Thank you for those two claps. Because you see, as we talk, as we talk about healing, most of the people, you know what they try to do? They try to look on the outside and they try to find out what do I need to do to fix this or to fix that. They always look on the outside, on the outward. But here we see that you and I, and I, you know, I get, we get emails from all around the world, from people that are crying out for help, for healing. And I hear so very often people that will tell me, Audrey, I have done everything I know to do. I have listened to all those messages, and I've done this, and I've done that, and I've done everything, and I'm not seeing a breakthrough. Why? And the Lord spoke to me and I just have that sense growing in me more and more that to see the manifestation of healing, it is not about us trying to fix things and do things on the outside, but it's pulling away with God and look within at the rule of God on the inside of us. And Paul says the kingdom of God is not by observation, but it is within you. And then in Romans 14, 17, he said the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness, it is peace, and it is joy in the spirit. 
So the kingdom of God or the rule of God is in you, but it's also in the spirit. In another word, it means that if you and I step out of that place of the spirit, I mean, you remember what Carrie said this morning. She said, you know, you are spirit, soul, and body. If your soul, the part of you, keeps on looking at the flesh, you're going to walk in the flesh. You're going to be in the flesh. But if you turn your soul, your mind, will, emotion, and you look at who you are in the spirit, and you look in the spirit, you will reproduce. You will be in the spirit and reproduce things of the spirit. You understand what I'm saying? <clears throat> Let me get a drink here. The camel is thirsty. And so that is really, really, really huge. In order to see a manifestation of the kingdom, which is healing, and that's why most of us, whether we are needing healing in our body or whether we are needing healing to help somebody else to see healing or whether we are wanting to minister healing, here is where we have to start within to look within and ask ourselves, is the kingdom of God, is the rule of God within me? Am I in righteousness, peace, and joy in the spirit? And we're going to talk about that in depth. What did Paul mean when he said the kingdom of God is righteousness, or you could say the rule of God in your life has to be in righteousness in the peace and in the joy in the Holy Spirit. And why is it that Paul is saying that you will see the rule of God and the manifestation of the kingdom of God, which is God saying, hey, I'm having the last word. I'm manifesting my power. I'm, I'm, I'm having the last word, amen, and I'm, 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 I'm showing my power and my rulership, my dominion over the powers of darkness, amen, then that means that we've got to, to look in ourselves and stop trying to fix the do's and don'ts. Stop trying to fix everything that we have to do or not to do or try to do. And that's what we call the striving, our own works. You know, if you were here last night, I was talking about entering Hebrew 4, verse 9 and 10. He said, there is a rest for the people of God. And we've got to labor to enter into the rest. And one who has entered into the rest ceases or stops from his own works. And that's what I'm talking about, the striving, your own work, trying to gain something spiritual by doing things in your own effort, in your own way, doing it my way. What I think I need to do to obtain healing. Does it make sense to you? It's getting hot in this house. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you, hon. Hallelujah. So the kingdom of God. You know, I love that. First Corinthians 3.16 said, do you not know that you are 
the temple of God. That is the spirit of God who dwells in you. Hallelujah. So like we saw that the kingdom of God, the rule of God, amen, and the manifestation of the kingdom of God is not so much about what you and I are doing with the arm of the flesh, but it is stopping. And that's what we have to do, especially if you find yourself in the tailspin or you find yourself confused because you've done everything you knew to do and you don't seem to get any breakthrough and you seem like worn out and confused and like, what do I need to do? Then you know what you need to do? You need to stop, pull back, and look within and said, am I in the spirit, in God righteousness, in God peace, and in God joy? Because if within me, God rules, his righteousness, his peace, and his joy are in me, God will rule, who rules on the inside, will rule on the outside. And if God, his righteousness, his peace, and his joy are in me, then what happens on the outside, even in your own flesh, will not bother you, will not hinder you, will not destabilize you, because on the, you know, have you ever heard, you know, it's like that's a law of even gravity or law or something, that if you are centered, when you are centered, everything will go around you, and you will not, the center will be so strong that no matter what's going around, you'll still be put down and stable, and you understand what I'm saying? And in the spirit is the same thing. If you are in within you, when you're like, I am in the righteousness of God, in the peace of God on the inside, and in the joy of God, it's ruling in me, then I'm in the spirit. And if I'm in the spirit, because I am in righteousness, in joy, and in peace, what's going to happen on the outside, even in my body, is going to start to change and respond to the kingdom of God, the rule of God that is within me. I hope, hope, Lord, help me to communicate that. That means that's why I tell people, stop running here and there. Stop running to this and that and go there and listen to that. And, but go and pull yourself away in that quiet place with God. You know, be still and know that he's God to come to that place of quietness where you can listen to God and be with God and know God and be in that place where you can regain your peace and your joy. And how will you do that? And that's what we're going to talk about it. We see the first thing that will determine that you are in the kingdom of God within, that God rules in your heart, is that you know and you understand that you are the righteousness of God. And it really, this message really goes right along with what Carrie shared this morning. You know when she talked about understanding how much God loves you, understanding how he sees you, understanding your identity, Understand, you know, all of that, working together, it's really the same thing. Understanding that you are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. And I know it sounds like a big theological 
hermeneutical word and you like righteousness, most of the time when I talk about righteousness, people are like, what is that? Because it sounds like a legal term. But it's powerful because it is a legal term. And what it means, it has the, the righteousness of God means that legally before the courts of heaven, the judgment that was supposed to come upon you has been satisfied, has been paid for by Jesus Christ on the, his death on the cross. And legally now, before God, you have a legal right to approach him boldly, to come before him as if, I mean, with that guilt, with that condemnation, with that shame, without that complex of inferiority, as if sin had never existed. I mean, think a second. How would you talk to Daddy God? How would you approach him? How would you, would you expect your healing if you knew that you knew that you knew that God and the courts of heaven had nothing against you? That your, how would you call that? That your file, you know, the file against you, there were empty pages. That there would be nothing that could be held against you. That's why Hebrew says that we can now enter with boldness in the presence of God to ask for mercy mercy and grace in time of need. And I love that, you know that righteousness term? It goes even beyond because it's legally satisfied. It also gives us boldness before the enemy because you know he's the accuser. I mean, even the Bible says in Revelation that the devil comes day and night to accuse them accuse you before the faith, try to accuse you. And you know that's what he does all the time, to condemn, to accuse, to make you feel inferior, to make you feel rejected, to make you feel you don't deserve, to make you feel you have no right to that. That's why I'm saying that that legal term, righteousness, is so powerful because legally you have the right, the freedom to go to daddy God. And that term righteousness is even beyond because legally you have been set free. You have been not just set free, but you've been accepted and loved. That term shows us how much God loves us. When we were yet sinners, and some of us were ugly sinners, when we were ugly, undeserving, a big mess, yet God chose to die for us and satisfy our penalty so that you and I could come to God, Daddy God, and just receive his love and enter into an intimate relationship with a daddy who is never against us but always for us. A daddy who loves us, who wants us, who cherishes us, who embraces us. And I love, you know, that in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, he says, Paul trying to explain, even let's read from verse 4, because it's so powerful. Ephesians 1, 
If you have your Bible, or even if you don't have your Bible, but Ephesians 1, verse 4 through 6. Hallelujah. And by the way, I forgot to mention it, but the way I do that, this workshop, because it's two different sessions, I'm not going to do one session, break of 10 minutes, and another session. For the sake of being able to go in deeper and to minister to you, I'm going to treat it as one big session from two to four. But if after the 50 minutes, you need a 10-minute break or you want to leave, go somewhere else or do whatever, you've got the freedom. Nobody's going to tackle you down and force you to stay here. <laughs> Amen. So you, if you want to stay here and stay the two hours, you can. If you need to get out or go to the bathroom or whatever, we are free. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is Hallelujah. So Ephesians chapter 1. But I like to do that because, you know, when you're restricted with time, there's something about it. When you are in restriction kind of thing, there is no freedom. And you, do, you feel restrained and, and you cannot go where you want to go. You've got that consciousness of time and you don't get to minister like you want to. So that's what I chose to do that. And I had the permission of the headquarters. <laughs> Hallelujah. So in Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 4 through 6, said, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame. Oh, repeat after me. I am without blame. I am blame. But some of you might think, well, you don't know me. I messed up yesterday. Oh, I messed up this morning. No, you are without blame. Because the blood of Jesus legally has removed it. So he said, you are without blame before him in love. You are without blame before God because you are in his love. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. You know, when I read that, you know what that tells me? that God sent Jesus to pay the penalty that was being held against us so he could bring us and give us the adoption as sons and bring us to his heart in his love. The image I have is Daddy God seeing us and picking us up and says, you're not just a servant, you're not just a friend, you are my very own, you are my child, and I'm bringing you close to my heart. He says, I have predestined to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. That was his will from the foundation of the world. When he knew how messed up we would become, he still chose us, predestined us so he could bring us close to his heart. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Now, I don't know about you, but you know, we, all of us, we have filters. You can hear something, I guarantee you, we can say something, and all of us would hear something different according to your filters. And 
when I would hear this verse that he made me accepted in the beloved. You know what I would hear? That he made me tolerable in the beloved. And I would come to the place where I was just feeling like God tolerated me. Like God put up with me. Well, yeah, I love you. I, my son died for you because I really didn't want you to go to hell, but <sighs> I'm having to put up with you until you grow up and you take your thumb out of your mouth. I'm putting up with you. And I felt always tolerated. So I would come to God apologizing for myself again and again and again. I would come to God and, in le- and, and instead of telling him just how much I loved him and how much he meant to me and how much I accepted his love and was thankful for his love, I would have a list of I'm sorry for this and I, you know, Father, sorry for this and I should not, I mean, it was like apologizing and feeling tolerated. And then I realized that that word accepted doesn't mean that at all. It's the same word that is in Luke 128. You know when Mary, that young woman, there was an angel that appeared to her and says, Mary, you are highly favored of the Lord. And you see the highly favored of the Lord in Greek is the exact same word that is found in Ephesians 1.6, that he has made us accepted. God has made us much more than accepted or acceptable or tolerable. He made us highly favored of the Lord. And you know what I see? Because God speaks to me in image. I love that. You know, and you know what I saw when I saw that about receiving the adoption as a son and becoming highly favored, acceptable, and loved, and cherished, and he wanted to bring me, Audrey, to his heart, as close to his heart as possible. The picture that I had and that the Holy Spirit showed me, he said, you know, it's like you can go in a household And you might have a couple that they have a child. And then they have a nanny. So in their house, they have their bedroom. They have a, uh, next to their bedroom, they have a little bedroom for for the little child. And then next to the child's bedroom, there is a little room for the nanny. And then it just happened that friends, very close friend, came for a visit and there was the guest room. And he said, let me ask you a question. When all of a sudden, weather starts, you know, become there is a thunder, maybe a tornado, maybe. He said, what is, what is the child going to do? What is the little nanny servant's going to do? What is the friend going to do? You see, a friend, it doesn't matter how close, how intimate that friend is. That friend is not going to have the freedom, the boldness and the freedom to run to the parents' room, to open the door, and to jump on that bed between them saying, I'm so scared. I don't care how intimate of a friend that is. He will never have that freedom, that boldness. Would you agree? Neither will the nanny. 
And it doesn't matter how close to the family that nanny is, when she's scared, when she's afraid, she will never have the boldness to take refuge between mom and dad. But a child. When there is danger, when there is a need, when there is, you know, when whatever happened, immediately because there is that relationship as a son, as a child, that child will run at the, his, his room, will open the door of the parent's bedroom, jump on the bed, go between mom and dad, pull the sheets above, and feel secure between mom and dad. He has that freedom. He has that privilege. That is what you and I are. That's the reason why in Matthew 11, 11, you know, and sometimes we see, it's, it, we see ourselves. You know, we see Moses, we see Elijah and Abraham and David, and we see them like in a category apart. We put them on a pedestal thinking, man, those guys were the deal. But I'm just a little Christian looking up to them. And you know what Jesus said in Matthew 11, 11? He says, anybody that is born of a woman, he says, Elijah, you remember Elijah? He, no, no, no uh, uh, John the Baptist, excuse me. He said, John the Baptist, there is not one before him that was born of a woman greater than him. In another word, John the Baptist was greater than Abraham, than Moses, than Elijah and David and all of them. He said, but anyone who is born again in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. Put those two together. My friend, you are far greater than any great man and woman of God of the Old Testament. Why? Not because of your accomplishment, not because of what you did and didn't do, but because of your relational position with the Father. You're no longer a friend, even though it's good to be a friend of God. You're not a servant of God, even though it's good to serve God. But you are not a son, a child, a son of God. And that gives you before the Father a right interest, it gives you a boldness, an assurance, a right, a favor with him that nobody else before in the Old Testament ever, ever had. That's mind-boggling. It's hard to even wrap your brain around it because it is true that we look at Moses and Abraham and we look at them and what they did and we look at ourselves. I'm just a little Christian. But in, in legally, and we're talking about righteousness, right? Legally, because of the blood of Jesus that caused us, that allowed God to bring us to his heart, it makes us his very cherished, beloved, I'm crazy about you, children of God. Now, I think a minute, and we're talking about healing here. Once you understand this position of righteousness, because remember, the kingdom of God, the rule of God has to be in righteousness. What does this mean? It means that you and I must know. In order to manifest the kingdom, you must know this position before your father. You're not just a nobody trying to get healed. You are his very own, bone of bone, flesh of flesh, heart of heart. You are the heart of the father. 
That alone, that alone will give you a boldness and assurance, will give you a freedom where you will approach God or you will approach your need or you will approach your situation. You will approach whatever way is being thrown at you. No longer in the do's and don'ts, but in this righteousness, you will be planted. The Bible calls us the planting of the Lord, the righteousness of God. It will give you, and you know it's interesting, Mary, you know when the angel says you're highly favored, you know what she answered? What kind of greeting is that? Because she was so used from the religion of the day, you just as come of the earth. And when she heard God that came to her, I mean through that angel, saying, man, God loves you so much. And I paraphrase, you're so highly favored, so beloved of God. He chose you for his very purpose to carry God himself. When she heard that greeting, she said, what kind of greeting in that? In other words, if she had heard from Gabriel, you little scumbag, well, I know what you were thinking yesterday, but forget about that. God kind of had pity on you, and he didn't fry you like a French fry, but he had mercy on you, so he didn't have anybody else to use, so he might as well use you. She would have said, wow, yeah, that must be God. And you know so many times, you and I, that's how we approach God. And we hear of God looking at us with dissatisfaction and uh, that maybe withheld this from you who doesn't want you to be healed or doesn't want you to be prosperous or then you think, well, that must be God because after all, he's going to teach me something or he's going to, you know, all that junk mumbo jumbo. But then we hear that God is so good, so, so good, and he loves you with such extravagant love no string attached kind of love. We're like, can this be God? It's too good to be true. Yes, it's the gospel. You know what I'm talking? So all of this to say that in order to manifest the kingdom of God, and we saw healing is one of its manifestations. Freedom is one of its manifestations. In order to see that, you're going to have on the inside of you know the love of God that God has for you. You're going to know that you have a right to that love, not because you're good and lovable and deserving, but just because legally your penalty has been paid for and legally God brought you to his heart. And that makes you very special. That has to be so anchored into your heart. And you know what I love? Listen to that verse. Because I would very often, and now listen, before I do, let me speak those two verses about your righteousness. Romans 5, 17 says, for those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift, the gift, the gift of righteousness will reign in this life. You see the kingdom of God, the rule of God will reign in this life through the one Jesus Christ. You see, when you receive that gift of righteousness, that legal right, that legal love, that legal access to God the Father, it will cause you to reign and to manifest the kingdom of God in you and through you. And you've got to know that you know. And not only was that a gift given to us, but 
Paul goes even one step further by telling us in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that God made Jesus who knew no sin to become sin for us that you and I may be made or become the righteousness of God. Which means that righteousness is not just something you're given, it's something you're made. It's not part of your nature. And why is that so important? It's important that when you come and you need healing or a breakthrough or you need to, you know, to reign and you need to have dominion and you need to tell the devil to pack his bag and go, when you need to exercise authority and see, amen, good things happen in your, in your life, when you are being under attack, when you are being attacked, that at that place that you need to know that legally I have a right to say, devil, back off. You are the righteousness of God. When you are being accused, now you have that legal right to say, uh-uh, I'm not going to believe your lie. Nah, 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 nah. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you think. I don't care what. I am righteous. And listen to what that verse says. In 1 John 4, 16 and 17, he says, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. You might have known it, but do you believe it? How much God loves us. And that has been a theme through this conference, that healing is the love language of God for you. And he says, we have known and believed the love that God has for us. For God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. And listen to this. Love has been perfected among us in this. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. You know when I would hear this word, this verse... You know what I would think, or, 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 or I would say, yeah, the love of God is perfected in me that in the day, in front of the judgment seat of Christ, in the by and by, in heaven, I will approach God with boldness. And not long ago, just a few days ago, the Lord spoke to me, and he says, Audrey, you will not need boldness when you get to heaven. Because you will know me like you are known here. You will not need bonus because you will be redeemed. You will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. You will receive an unperishable body. You will be redeemed by spirit, soul, and body completely. So he said, you won't need boldness. And so I looked into it. I'm like, then what? When do I need boldness? He said, you need boldness down here right now. And did you see what it says? So as is... So are you in this world. That's what's going to give you boldness. And so I looked into it and I realized that it says in the day of judgment, the word judgment is the day crisis, K-R-I-S-I-S. And it also means condemnation, accusation. Who is the accuser? Who is the condemner? And here Jesus was showing me that when we know our righteousness, when we know how much God loves us, when the accuser come, when the condemner come, we have that boldness. And why gives us that boldness? Because the love of God, how much he loves us, has been matured in us. 
We know we have the righteousness of God. We know we have a legal right even when we mess up. And you know what the Lord showed me? He said, Audrey, he said, what is it that pleases God? I said, faith. He said, yeah. He said, how much faith does it take when you've prayed two hours, fasted a week, read 10 chapters? How much faith does it take for you to come and talk to me and approach me and receive my love? I said, well, it doesn't really take a lot of faith because it comes easy. When you've prayed and fasted and read, you've got that. You feel good about yourself. Don't look at me so holy and innocent. It's true, isn't it? And in another word, it doesn't take a lot of faith to approach God and love God and receive his love when you've done everything good. He said, when is it that you need faith? He said, when you've messed up. When you've been, you know, when you've done something you shouldn't have done or didn't do what you were supposed to do and you messed up big and yet you approach me with boldness, he said, that takes faith. And that's when you please me. He said, I am so pleased, daughter. When you come, when you've messed up, and yet because you know me, you know my heart, you know who I am as a father, and you trust me, and you love me, and you understand how much I love you, that you, you, it causes you to come by faith to me when you've messed up. He said, that's faith, and that pleases me. That's the kind of righteousness that has to be so grounded and rooted in us in order to be in the kingdom of God in the spirit and in order to manifest the kingdom of God in us and through us. That has to be established no matter what comes against you, no matter what accusation, no matter what condemnation, no matter what blunder to do, not to do what you should and shouldn't do, no matter what's going on on the outside, that has to be an anchor of your soul. It has to be your one pillar that keeps you stable in the spirit. Remember, don't look at what you did in the flesh. But look at who you are in the spirit. And in the spirit, you are righteous. You are loved. You are God's favorite. You are highly favored. And you know, when you know that, you will no longer be that yo-yo Christian that go up. One day they love God. The next day they fall apart. Oh my God, God doesn't love me anymore. Walking by the feelings and no, I'm not making fun, but this is what I see. So many people, because they don't feel the love of God, they automatically start thinking, well, God has abandoned me. God doesn't love me. But when you know you are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ, that you are highly favored, beloved, close to God's heart. You are his little favorite. It keeps you so stable. And no matter what comes against you, you are in the kingdom of God. The kingdom is in you. The rule of God is in you. And you become the planting of the Lord, the righteousness of God. You are planted in his righteousness. And what does the Bible say? That when you are planted... In that righteousness, the fruit flow out of you. The kingdom of God flow out of you. It is not you trying to walk in the kingdom. It's the kingdom pouring out of you. 
Hallelujah. So all of that to say that if you are needing healing and you're having a hard time getting a hold of it, you're having a hard time receiving the love of God and healing is God's love language. And you have a hard time hard seeing that. You know what you need to do? You need to stop, look on the inside and ask yourself, what do I believe? Do I believe I'm righteous? Do I believe I'm God's favored and loved and there is nothing I can do or not do that would cause God to withhold anything from me? Won't you? You see, that is got to be your first pillar Amen. to know how much God loves you. That because, not like again, not because you did everything wrong or didn't do or what, not because of who you are, but because of that legal act of righteousness. It gives you that right, that legal right. And so when the devil comes and tries to rub your nose in your mistakes, you tell him, sorry, buddy. Doesn't mean anything to me because I am the righteousness of God. And God loves me not because of what I do, but because I love Jesus. I mean, that's the reason why we can boldly approach God in the spirit boldness. I mean, think about it a second. In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, when the people of Israel sinned, they were commanded to bring a sacrifice, right? And even once a year, the high priest would bring a sacrifice for his sin and the sin of the people to present the blood of the sacrifice to God. And when they brought the sacrifice and the blood, what is it that God looked at? Did he look at the priest? Did he look at the people? Or did he look at the sacrifice? That's what gives us that boldness. That God brings us close to his heart and loves us and accepts us and gives us everything. Not because he doesn't look at us. He looks at Jesus in us. The sacrifice of Jesus in us that came to live in us. Hallelujah. And I, I, I'll just, you know, that's what Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 17, he said that we have to be rooted and grounded in the love of God. To know how deep, how high, how wide, how long is the love that God has for us that we may be filled with the Fullness of God. You see, here again, we are saying truth in a different way. When you are planted in the righteousness of God, then you'll be filled with the fullness. You will manifest the kingdom of God, the fruit of the kingdom, healing. Glory to God. So when we talk about righteousness, we understand our relationship with God. That place of honor, of favor, of favor, we have God's favorites. But in the Hebrew culture, when we talk about, in the Hebrew culture, when we talk about righteousness, you and I, we only think vertical, correct? Righteousness, a legal term that gives us free access to the Father and brings us to his heart. 
But in a Hebrew culture, there is also this righteousness that has to produce this righteousness. And what do I mean by that? Righteousness with one another. Righteousness with God, because when we love God and he loves us, we are able to love one another. What are God's two commandments? To love God and love others as I have loved you. And so how does it mean in a practical sense? What does this mean to us? That's the reason why, and we're talking about healing, right? Receiving healing, walking in healing, ministering healing. I have found something very interesting. When you look at the Bible, for example, you know in James chapter 3, when he talks about if anyone among you is sick, let him call the elders of the church. Amen. They will anoint him with oil and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. But if you have trespassed one against the other, confess your sin to your brothers. And trespass in the Bible is doing something wrong to my neighbor, to somebody else. That's the same thing also in Mark eleven twenty-five. You remember Mark eleven twenty-two? Whoever speaks to the mountain, you know it's talking about exercising authority, the rule of God. Authority, whoever speaks to the mountain, command it to be removed, cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believe that whatever he say will be done, he will have it. And when you stand praying, believe that you have received and you shall have it. Here it's talking about authority and receiving the promises of God. But right after that, what is he talking about? Verse 25. And if you have ought against anyone, forgive. What, what does this actually mean? It means that you can have righteousness with God that gives you boldness before God. And here you are, you needing healing. But all of a sudden you remember that you have an offense against somebody or somebody has an offense against you. What happens? All of a sudden you're not able to receive that healing. You're not able to access that healing that has already been given. Why? Not because God has his arm crossed in heaven saying, you got an offense against someone? I'm not going to heal you. Uh-uh, that's not what it says. But what it's actually saying is when you have an offense, that you have that righteousness with God, hallelujah, but all of a sudden your horizontal righteousness, your righteousness, your relationship with others has been compromised, your heart is not able to receive. You see, because the kingdom of God is within you. It's in your heart, right? The kingdom of God is within The rule of God is, is within you. The authority of God is, in, is within you. And you can have boldness with God, but when you've compromised your relationship with others, you lose that boldness. That's what 1 John 3.21 says. If your heart does not condemn you, you have assurance before God and whatever you ask, you receive. Man, it's silent in this church this afternoon. You understand what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm talking about looking within to make sure we have, when we have that relationship, that righteousness, that, sec that, that security in God, 
then we have that boldness to receive, that boldness to speak to cancer, that boldness to stand and fearless before what every attack. But all of a sudden, if you have art against somebody else, it will destroy that boldness because your heart will condemn you. Not God. Not God. There is no condemnation from God. But it's your heart that will not allow you to receive what God has already given. So the kingdom of God is within righteousness between you and God and with others. And that's so easy. If you all of a sudden you find within yourself that God is revealing the Holy Spirit is telling you, you know, you need to make things right with so and so. Go and get it done. And all of a sudden, that boldness comes back on the inside of God. The kingdom of God within. Because your righteousness is now solid and strong in you. And you know what that will produce in you? When that righteousness, it will produce peace. For more information on GoTel Ministry, our teaching, our itinerary, and to discover the many testimonies of those who have been touched and healed by the power of God, you may visit our website at www.gotelministry.org. And remember that Jesus came to give you life and life in abundance.